Hi, I'm Ken. And I'm Dee. And this is Antiques Freaks, today with special guest Andrew Hill. How's it going? <laughs> Andrew is the lead tour guide at Seaside Shadows, a spooky haunted tour of Mystic and New London, Connecticut, and parts beyond. Yes, we have a Salem tour as well. Ooh, one of my favorite places, Goth Disneyland. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Andrew, if we can ask, how did you get haunted? So, my personal experience was actually uh, what, what kicked open the door for me paranormally was a shared experience with my twin brother. We were both on our way to a rehearsal at the University of Rhode Island, and we saw a man made out of mist. Ugh. Already very spooky. That's scary. It was terrifying. My brain had no real way to process what I had seen. And for a good five minutes, I was panicking. And then my brother confirmed that he had seen it as well. And that just really made things terrifying. Yeah, that that almost makes it worse. (laughs) I was going to say, you know, if your brother hadn't seen it, you could definitely be like, I'm imagining things. But nope. No. Yeah, it it was uh, a very, very intense intense experience and it should have really scared me away from this life but it really just ignited my curiosity really threw you into it i was gonna say don't when it happens it only ever goes one of two ways you you go away or you go in yeah and i just i felt compelled to see if i could figure out a what that was but then b you know what was going on with the afterlife and in the paranormal yeah that is one of the more cool dramatic introductions to the paranormal i've ever heard (laughs) (laughs) some people have more subtle entries and then some people have the door proverbially kicked open (laughs) some people get jumped in by a ghoul (laughs) (laughs) so it seems kind of fortuitous that you were already a history buff when this happened it seems like it really prepared you for giving these tours. Yes. I've loved history since a young age, and I was actually a double major in college, uh, English and history. So it definitely prepared me for this. And there's so much that is entwined together with the paranormal community and history. Yeah. I imagine it helps a lot to research what's been haunting. That's exactly it. We're called Seaside Shadows Haunted History because we don't tell a story about a ghost unless we can corroborate historical facts about people who have seen it, people who have experienced it, who this ghost might be. So we put in, you know, days and days of research to each of these stories that we tell. Very cool. That's really cool, actually, yeah. That's an incredible amount of integrity. Yes, we pride ourselves on being truthful and telling the history of these spirits. We like to think we're ambassadors for the dead. An extremely cool title, yes. And uh, if you guys don't mind my new album. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'll let you have that one, yeah. Nice. (laughs) Any particular area of history that called to you? I have been fascinated with all parts of history, all periods. I would say because of what I do, my expertise is now colonial America through Victorian America. But at a young age, I was called to Greek mythology, Egyptian mythology. Oh, heck yeah. Yep. One of the my favorite historical periods is actually the Boring States period of China. Oh. Yeah. Uh, the, the Romance of the Three Kingdoms is uh, one of my favorite works of fiction that's based off of a true historic period of time extremely cool you're actually the first historian person i've met that has actually mentioned anything like that so you get 10 points for originality (laughs) (laughs) 
like I said, it's it's all history for me. It's the story of us. Yeah. And it all culminates together where we are right now. I am reminded of, I forget which Tumblr user posted this, but saying that, don't laugh at me. (laughs) (laughs) Starting a sentence like that is loaded. No, but they said, history is gossip about dead people. (laughs) Oh, I love that. True. (laughs) And I don't know why, but it has tickled me so. It is very, very appropriate. Yeah. So narrowing down to Seaside Shadow's specialty, the colonial and 19th century New England. Yes. Are there any particular stories that really strike your fancy? Oh, there are just so many. It kind of really depends on which tour you're on. I love the history of Connecticut. One of my absolute favorite stories that I get to tell is actually about a man named Quash Williams. Excellent. Strong start. Mm. <laughs> He was one of the first free enslaved peoples in all of America. Oh, wow. And he started one of the first black congregations in America as well. Oh. And so I, I love that I get to talk about his history and let people get to know him. Yeah, that's really remarkable. Yeah, And he, uh, he has a rather tragic ending because he still ended up in the enslaved area of the graveyard. Oh my god, what? That's really tragic, yeah. Because his wife was never freed. She was enslaved. And he said he was not going to leave her, even though he could have been buried elsewhere. Oh, that's even more tragic. Wow, what a sad love story. How bittersweet. But it's not without, in the end, progress, because their daughter is not buried in the enslaved area. She was a free person. Wow, that's a lot of history in three people. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And that's not even all I could tell you about them. No? No, there's, uh... There's more, but I obviously can't give away everything. Ah, uh, well, yes, yeah, I that's see. trade secrets. <laughs> you gotta come on the tour. Which tour is that? I gotta write that down. That is the Whitehall Cemetery Tour. And that one's really cool because some of the people that we talk about were there in the 1600s. Oh. Oh my god. Yes. One of the gentlemen that we talk about on the tour was killed in King Philip's War in the 1670s. That's rough. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yeah, I'd say that's a rough time to be in yet. (laughs) Yeah, I wouldn't want to die for King Philip. (laughs) Or because of him. Or against him, frankly. Yeah, Yeah, like, if he's involved at all, I'm going to be pretty pissed off. Real quick check, D. Do you remember who King Philip is? So he was in this shoot 'em up game? Nope. <laughs> nope. Okay. Well, all right, all right, bear with me. It was about colonial America if it were outer space. Mm, okay. Still, though. So that may be true, but... <laughs> Not perhaps a thoroughly historical approach to the subject. Uh, you know, yeah, I was thinking while you guys were talking about favorite, favorite time enemies that I really focus on the 1920s and colonial really slips right past the old bean. <laughs> so who's King Philip? <laughs> he was actually the native leader the oppositional force against the colonists. Oh! Yes. They called him King Philip, but he actually did have a a different native name. Okay, alright. I do remember this story. Alright, great. (laughs) I've reestablished myself in history time. We've thrown you right back to the 1600s. Oh god. I'm there. Oh crap. I've got diphtheria. I'm dead. It would be terrifying to be back (laughs) I'm very glad I live in modern times. Yeah, no, the vaccines are dope. Seriously, so many. The antibiotics, chef kicks. 
<laughs> There's actually the same tour we talk about a gentleman who surprisingly lives until he was 90 years old. Damn. Whoa. In that time period, he lived in the revolutionary time period, but still, to get to that age at that time is just remarkable. Force yeah. of will is what that is. <laughs> Extreme luck. That man was fist-fighting death in his sleep. Good God. (laughs) Does the tour at all cover the Connecticut witch trials? We don't so much go into those at these tours. We are hoping to open a Hartford-based ghost tour at one of their cemeteries. And Hartford is really where the, the witch trials were most fervent in Connecticut. The heart of the problem, if you will. <laughs> yeah. I can't work Ford into there, but I'm sure someone can figure it out. Fording into the heart of history? Is that anything? Hey, there we go. Approach the tourism board with that. We'll see where it goes. Is that the? Would that be the cemetery that has the founders of the Colt Pistol Company in it? Yes. Okay. I was gonna say, like, I I know the really, I know the big one out in Hartford, the uh, the big state cemetery. We actually, as Seaside, have done videos in uh, Cedar Grove as well. I did a roughly 45-minute, maybe an hour-long video on Samuel Colt. His life is fascinating. Is, is that available on the website? or? <laughs> yes, actually. <laughs> uh, you can go to our YouTube channel. Yes. Nice. Yeah, that's actually one of our most watched videos. Uh, and I truly think it's because his life is fascinating. And really, just the way that it's told is just this story of revenge and deceit and this masterminded business but someone who might not be such a good human being <laughs> i would say maybe perhaps not yeah and there's a reason i believe that the colt family was cursed similar to the winchester family yeah you bring about that much death and yeah yeah that'll get you a curse or two along the way i love the way that his story ends he was caught basically double dealing to the north and the south oh oh Oh. buddy no 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 thank you you don't say they were upset (laughs) they weren't they weren't thrilled with that weren't chuffed huh yeah right (laughs) so his plan was he was going to fight for the union just to prove he decides that he's going to make his own regiment connecticut's fifth and stock it with only the biggest strongest best looking guys Uh, okay handsome squad coming through it's a strategy yeah and so (laughs) he gets this group all put together and promptly dies of gout (laughs) (laughs) okay all right all right dying of gout's not funny but it is (laughs) i was hoping for a cannonball but that'll do but Connecticut was like, hey, we have this regiment now of just, like, really tall, good-looking, strong dudes, so let's send them off to war. Sure. Connecticut's first total haughty regiment. <laughs> <laughs> we actually, uh, we talk about one of the guys who would eventually lead that regiment in the Elm Grove tour, which is also, it will be in the book. Now... Speak on this book. Yeah, tell us more about this book. So I am currently in the middle of writing a book about Elm Grove Cemetery. It will feature big historical people that are buried there, the history of the cemetery itself, why landscape cemeteries were needed, which it was actually because of yellow fever. Oh, really? It sparked a panic, and people in New York City thought that uh, cemeteries and graveyards close by that was causing all of this death 
So they were like, hey, let's move these out to the countryside. And that's actually why so many cemeteries are, are big and prominent in Connecticut, but feature New Yorkers. Oh, oh, that's fascinating. That is just one of many things you can uh, hope to read in this book. I very much look forward to it. Yeah, I'm, I'm buying a copy the second that hits shelves. <laughs> well, thank you. Now, I imagine um, your interest in cemetery history was a, a natural tag along to an interest in the paranormal and history at the same time. Oh, yeah. Cemeteries have always just been very peaceful places to me. I know a lot of people are like, how can you hang out for hours in the dark in a cemetery almost like every night and be cool with that? Because it's full of dope history. Exactly. And also, once you've been telling these stories and seeing these spirits for as long as I have, you do come to view them as friends in a way. Yeah. Like, you, you get to, you feel like you really get to know, reading some of these people's first-hand accounts and their journals and diaries and them talking about their lives and then relaying that to other people where they are buried, you do feel a very intimate closeness with them. Absolutely. That's a very sweet way to put that. I love that. Thank you. Now, if you had to pick a favorite cemetery that you tour, would it be the one in the book? That's so hard for me because... They're all so good. Yes, they are all so good. And it's almost like saying, like, which of your children is your favorite? <laughs> <laughs> like, you may secretly have a favorite, but you're never going to tell them that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we promise not to play this podcast for any of the cemeteries. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, yeah. You're going to try not to. I appreciate that. <laughs> I'm going to get some vengeful ghosts otherwise. <laughs> I do have a close personal attachment to the Elm Grove Cemetery uh, because we started that tour during my time at Seaside. The Whitehall tour had already been established, and though it has changed with things we've researched and learned over my time being here, Courtney had picked the people who was going to be on that. Courtney is the owner of Seaside Shadows. She had picked the people we were going to talk about, and we've just kind of supplemented Whereas with Elm Grove, I got to go around and look at the graves and see what names jumped out at me, see what places really gave me a feeling that someone might be there whose story is worth telling. So it's definitely a close attachment that I have to that book. Absolutely. Now, I know Dee in particular has a fascination with the graves of sailors who died at sea. We have uh, several of those here in New Bedford. (laughs) We have a couple. We have a couple been taking notes on the particularly interesting inscriptions such as the seas remember took him in november and the sea shall weep in the dark Ooh, i like both of those yeah <laughs> i uh i've got a for my own personal reasons i curate a collection of epitaphs that hit me in the right particular way <laughs> <laughs> you would really like the elm grove cemetery then there are quite a few captains who died at sea who have remarkable epitaphs and then there are people who have much more complicated histories who have just fascinating epitaphs as well do tell that's yeah do you, uh, do you, is there one that sticks out in your mind well there's there's two that i can think of one is a captain who actually unfortunately dies in an oil explosion oh my god on a ship oh whoa it was the ship called the city of waco and it was uh the biggest maritime disaster in texas history at the time uh, he was from Mystic, though, so he was brought back here, or rather, his remains were. They were found a mile away from where the boat had loaded. Dear God. Yikes. And there's actually a carving of the ship, the steamship, on his 
monument. Now, if I had died in that accident, I would not want that on my headstone, but I guess everyone deals with things differently. But if you were the captain and you had gone down that, with that's it. That's true. Every captain, I'm not a captain of a ship. I don't know that relationship. See, I feel the same way. I, I'm, I'm always like, I don't know that I want that bear yeah like if i'm mauled by actually now that i'm thinking about if i was mauled by a bear i would want a portrait of the bear that's true i, I get that though. yeah <laughs> oh, no. and then the other uh is just a, a haunting epitaph it's of a very tragic story this man kills his five-year-old daughter oh my god, oh my god. arguably caused by a bout of brain damage uh yes and on his grave, it says, Shadows flee away. Ooh, that is chilling. So, uh, yeah, that's a, a very, very dark image. But then also, like, is it fleeing away because there's light there still? Ideally. Here's open. Here's open. I do find that a lot of the most intriguing epitaphs are the shortest ones. There was one I found, I don't even remember, this was uh, the year COVID started, I spent all of my free time uh, just grave trotting. Well, the parks were full of people, the cemeteries, on the other hand. Were empty, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was very it was great. calm and safe. I totally get that. <laughs> <laughs> The one that stuck with me, I think, the longest of all of the ones that I, I've uh, collected was one that just said, please come home. Oh, yeah, it, it hit me like a freight train. There's one at Elm Grove that is commemorating a 19-year-old who gave his life in the War of 1812 defending Stonington. Damn. He took a cannonball to the knee. Yikes. And suffered for roughly two months before he passed away. Oh, Lord. That's yeah. not how you want it to go. Yeah, 19th century war wounds will do that. Yep. Yes. And on his stone, it says, Though his body molders beneath the stone, his soul flies to the seat of immortality. Ooh. Hell yeah. That's a lovely inscription. Yes. They really wanted to make a hero out of this young man. They gave him a 19-foot-tall marble Washington Monument-style obelisk. Oh. 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 Wow, they, they were really doing their best to uh, pretty that up. The obelisk trend in American cemeteries is fascinating to me. I agree. Oh, you've got to see the cult memorial then, because that is something. Yes, it is. <laughs> Big obelisk? Egyptian imagery. Huge. Ooh. Yeah. You can uh, really tell how much money Colt had standing by. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> oh, you can feel that money. Was it just, like, the Washington Monument that sparked the obelisk trend? Do you know, or...? I'm actually not 100% sure where the obelisk itself trend came from. I know that there was a fascination with different styles of architecture as these things were being built. Like, you will still find Greek secular imagery as well among these the graves. Columns, weeping willows, things of that nature carved into stones. And those are from a very similar time period as the obelisks. I, in a way, think that it was just hey, these look pretty. These have been decorating the dead for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. Yeah. And when you move to a new place and you're like, well, we're rejecting the people who brought us over here. So like, what's our new culture going to look like? What's our new art going to look like? Yes. Maybe we base it on the same thing we base our democracy on. Hey, the ancient Greeks were fascinated with Egypt. Let's go. (laughs) (laughs) Is there a favorite style of marker? For me personally? Yeah. I love the old puritan slate graves with what are known as death's heads oh hell yes yes Yes. the death's heads are just 
like they're the floating skeletal faces with wings. Exquisite. They are just terrifying, and I just I really enjoy them. And some of the best folk art that you can find in this entire continent. Yes. It was a lot of fun to discover that Gravestone Carver was just like a business you did on the side whenever people happened to pass on. Yeah. So it was a lot of like, teach yourself art and then make it permanent. Yes. In Stonington, the stone carver had a brilliant scheme going as well. Oh, yeah? He made you buy two stones. Oh. Yes, because you had to have a headstone but then he also made you buy a matching smaller footstone to go with it. Oh my god, there we go. Gotta have a matching set. Gotta know how tall you were. Yes. And uh, it's funny, because in Whitehall Cemetery, there are headstones and footstones. And when I first started giving tours there, I had to ask my boss, I was like, were these people well over seven feet tall? And she kindly reminded me that no Earth moves over time, and they were buried in the late 1700s. <laughs> yeah, oh, you know what? That wasn't even my immediate thought, so I, you know, I'm right there with you. <laughs> I was like, wow, even even the small children are like six feet tall. <laughs> A race of giants lived here. I'm curious, do you have any like advice for getting started if you want to do research on individuals that you find on headstones find a grave is phenomenal they really help with the research for these things especially if you can find ones that have family members who have taken the time to place information about the people and then not to you know sound cliche or sell out but google (laughs) (laughs) It actually does really help. And then if you have access to it, not unfortunately not everyone does, but we as a company with Seaside Shadows go to town halls and look at old records and go to libraries and see if they have any like old censuses or things like that from the time periods that we're trying to find. And those, those are very helpful. There's a lot of knowledgeable people who are really willing to talk about this sort of stuff. Delightful community effort. We love to see it. Love to see community effort. Uh, but yeah, Finder Grief does seem like a really good place to start. It is. It's it's wonderful. And really, if you're looking to get into this, go to the closest cemetery to you, find the most interesting grave, and see what you can find out about that person. Very often, we have some massive historical figures very, very close to us, and we just don't even know it. Yeah. Yeah, it took me uh, five years to realize that the Delano mausoleum that I spent all my time hanging out at was, like, literally, like, the president's family. Yeah, the FDR. Like, the FDR Delanos. Ah, (laughs) So, (laughs) yeah, it's, it's very possible that you are sitting next to some remarkable history and not aware of it. And it's always just, it's so much more personal when you find out that it's, like, right in your backyard. Yeah, and it's a good way to get interested in your community. Yes, absolutely. And it will, like, the, the more you find, the more it will lead you to finding and you'll go down rabbit holes, and it's just a lot of fun. Yeah. I'm reminded of our uh, our man Zebediah. Is he the one with the giant statue of himself in his best suit looking amazing? Yeah, and the only records anyone could dig up was that he did it literally just to flex. <laughs> just to show everyone how fashion he was. <laughs> yeah. I love that. It's very good. It's a delightful statue, I have to say. Yeah, I've been meaning to go down to City Hall and like to see if I can uncover anything else about his family. 
Because I have to know more about the man. He's left an impression on me as he intended. <laughs> he sounds fascinating. So Ken mentioned when we were fortunate enough to line up uh, having you on the show, a haunted antique store. Yes. And as a previous denizen of a haunted antique store, I'd love to know more. That is one of my favorite buildings in all of Mystic. The history is just... It was built right before the Civil War in 1859, and it was designed and intended to be a town hall, but very quickly things fall apart, and it ends up as a Civil War war office. Ah. Flash forward to years and years and years later, and in the mid-1900s, it is purchased and turned into an antique and relic shop called the Emporium. (laughs) Very cool. Good eye for real estate they had there. Yes. And it's a a beautiful building. It was designed to stand out because they wanted to make it the the town hall. So they wanted to make it look important. So they chose a different style of architecture than the rest of the colonial buildings around it. So I imagine that's one of the things that immediately caught the Emporium owner's eye. But they had filled this place with thousands of antiques Some of them were even uh, items that came from Lincoln's inauguration. Whoa! (laughs) That's pretty remarkable. Yes. So they they were very proud to show off all of their antiques, and they they really traveled the world collecting these things and filling this place. And as you guys know, antiques harbor energies, and this place was already filled with energy. The Emporium is one of the most actively haunted places in all of Mystic, even still. And I don't know if the new owners of the bar want me saying that, but <laughs> hey, we've been doing this longer. <laughs> I think that could get them, uh, that gets, you know, anything gets them traffic, right? Yes, it is. It uh, most likely will get them traffic. And I'm, I'm sure they're very, very good people and going to treat the spirits very well. Because I'm inclined to go visit now. <laughs> um. Yes, for years while I've been giving these tours, it was a art museum. Oh. And so very, very little activity unless there was like a, a gallery or a showing going on. But now it's a lot of, of activity because it's, it's a very active bar, which will bring out the spirits more. They like to respond to energy. Yeah. Yes. The more energy that's actively going on in a place, the more that they can show up, the more that the energy transfers, because spirits operate on the electromagnetic frequency, and so they are big about energy. Oh, oh dear. Does that mean I actually summoned a bunch of ghosts when I fired up that engine? Possibly. Whoops. Um, <laughs> I'm also wondering what motivated specifically your antique store ghost to just kind of move furniture around all the time. You mean mine? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Do you have any insight on why it did that? Because uh, it felt like it was punking me. Do you know of the layout of the place beforehand? Was it very similar to the way that the spirit was moving the the furniture around? Oh, that actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I pretty much the building had been unchanged from its days as a cotton mill. Mm-hmm. Although the building we were situated in was the administrative building. Oh, okay. So when he was dragging the chair Someone's into the middle of the hallway. Around, which was always chairs. Mm-hmm. Oh. Oh my Get god, that's why he didn't like the dirty magazines everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they are used to a certain thing and in a way you're the, the stranger who's messing things up and, and they're 
spot, even though you're the one living there. Yeah, you keep moving his chair away from his desk. What's up with that? That actually, <laughs> wow, okay, yeah, I could see actually now why he would be upset that we hung the chair on the ceiling. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No one can sit there. What's the point? Yeah, that was one of the things where uh, normally I would skim past and assume I had forgotten something, but when the chair that was on the hook on the ceiling was scooting around while I was alone in the building, I started thinking something might be up. Yeah, that's usually a dead giveaway that something's up. Yeah, <laughs> dead giveaway. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Yeah, we actually, um, we had a, a, we eventually forged a pretty a congenial relationship with the ghost. Uh, we named him Harold. Okay. And at any given time, uh, you could catch most of us talking to him if we were alone in the building. <laughs> there was also a very strange phenomenon caught on the security camera. Oh, that was, yeah, that really tripped me out. What happened? It was just columns of white light. Ah, okay. Like, not solid, but like, if thousands of insects had become pinpoints of light and started storming upward. And you could physically walk to the part of the store where the security camera was pointing at and see nothing. Yeah, because at first I had a panic attack because I thought it was moths. <laughs> <laughs> Do not want in the antique store. Do not want in the vintage boutique. Oh, yeah, no. Oof. Yeah, that was, I think, the most remarkable thing I'd ever witnessed uh, just because of the immediate comparison I had from what I was seeing on a screen to, like, real life, so to speak. Is light phenomenon a thing that they do? Do they do that? They actually do that a lot. We very often on our tours, especially in Whitehall, uh, will capture a phenomenon that is a pillar of light extending from a grave to the sky. Oh, that sounds familiar. Yes. <laughs> so I, I can picture exactly what you're talking about because I've seen it before. Damn. Oh, geez, that engine did summon ghosts. Yeah, you got actual haunted, my dude. Ah, oh, man. <laughs> We, we had a ghost hunting fellow who was, uh, who at some point, we had a rare electromagnetic generating engine. Ah, okay. That we fired up because we knew some electricians across the street. Uh, unfortunately, prior to the gentleman telling us that it might have been a machine specifically created to summon ghosts. <laughs> um, yeah, that's, uh, that's... And in retrospect, I think it did its job a little too well. Well, you know. I mean, I'm curious. Have you heard about the theories like that? Because you did mention that ghosts operate in the electromagnetic spectrum, so seems likely? Yes, they, they do. And uh, I've actually never heard of, of an electromagnetic field generator engine designed to summon ghosts. But knowing how paranormal theory works, that feasibly could work. And if you launched it up, yeah, you could be haunted. <laughs> yeah, in a store full of antiques with a lot of deep personal history connected to them. Absolutely. Ah, yeah. dang it. So the the moral is, if you have an electric engine you don't understand, don't just make it run. <laughs> I mean, that's a good advice for most <laughs> antique electronics, as I learned with that calculator. <laughs> Yeah. Let's check if this vintage calculator works. Why is my tongue numb? Ooh. Well, that wasn't a ghost. I no, break that was just you. regular electronic stupid, but solid advice, ghost or no ghost. Yeah, still a good idea to be careful regardless. <laughs> Otherwise, your ghost will come out. Yes. We don't want that. No. <laughs> no not early, thank you. So without pressing you for too much, you know, secret tour information, because that is proprietary, have you had any personal experiences with the haunted antique place uh, in terms of encountering the paranormal? Yes, and actually even before I worked at uh, Seaside Shadows, just walking by this building, in the second floor, you can feel someone watching you, and Ugh. it gives you the very eerie feeling, like, I know that there's eyes upon me right now. And so even before I knew that this building was haunted, every time I would go by, I would be like, why Why do I feel like there's someone in that window? And I got a very good understanding as to why. <laughs> the, 
you, you get jumped into ghosts a lot, huh? <laughs> yes. Uh, it comes with the territory. <laughs> <laughs> and also following that, have you had personal experiences in cemeteries? Because I know that is the classic place to find a ghost. Yes. You can't spend literally days at this point at night in a cemetery without eventually experiencing something. On my tours, I have uh, my guests take photos, and I have had photos taken of me with apparitions standing right behind me. Oh, God. Damn, though. Yeah, it is uh, it is a, a very unnerving when you see that, and you're just uh, still giving a tour. <laughs> a lot of looking behind your shoulder i think at that point let me just keep my composure and not freak <laughs> out it's like that one surfer who strapped a gopro to the underside of his board and then like reviewed the footage <laughs> later and saw that there had been a shark directly underneath him yeah a bit like that yes definitely uh same hair raising feelings yeah <laughs> Now I am curious, as a, as a history person, I could have said historian. <laughs> or history person. <laughs> history person. Either works. <laughs> as the history guy, uh, do you collect antiques or collectibles of any kind personally? or? I do, yes. Uh, so the lantern that I use on my tour is an authentic 19th century railway operator's lantern. Hell yes, that is hell so cool. yes. Yes, and it is, I love it so much, but it is, because of how old it is, it is incredible incredibly temperamental yep (laughs) i'm fascinated with the fact that people used to use these to get around with just the light that it provides yeah it's not a lot (laughs) yeah yeah we we test those out sometimes and it's very like for that to have been normal is hard to fathom in the age of electricity yes but probably would have been a lot better without all this light pollution that we have Probably, yeah. Yeah. A little less competition. And then I also collect swords. Yes! (laughs) We really blew out the audio capture on that one. It was worth it. We were excited about swords. (laughs) Yes, I I love swords. I've been collecting since I was little. Hell yeah. I have swords from Asia, from Europe. I have daggers. Uh, One of my favorite pieces is a Turkish dagger that my father gave me. Ooh. Yes, my... uh, Adopted uncle is actually from Turkey, and that was given to my father by his family. Oh, hell yeah. That's one of the coolest uh, family heirlooms I've ever heard of. (laughs) Grandma gave me brass knuckles, which is uh, not as cool, but pretty cool. That is still pretty cool. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have a sword cane? Has that entered your collection yet? You know, I should have a sword cane because I have swords and I also have canes, but I don't have one that combines the two. Okay. Alas. Something to strive for. Yeah, I was going to say, that's yes. got to be your next acquisition. Yes, definitely. Dagger aside, are there any particular swords that are your favorites of the collection? One of them is is highly sentimental to me. It was a cavalry man saber that my father was given when he was promoted to either captain or major in the military. Oh, wow. It was the, the first sword that I ever had, uh, and he told me that as soon as I could wield it steadily... I could have it. So that was like probably like 10 or 11 that he gave that to me. That was a hell of a motivator. Yeah. Yes. I get pretty good at swords pretty quick. (laughs) Yeah. 
extremely cool. That's a really sweet story, too. Like, oh, that's cute. Yeah. I love that. Thank you. Do you get a lot of comments about the Railway Lantern being a red light district lantern? Because I found in my time that was the most irritating and common question, as if lanterns only existed to indicate a red light district. Huh. I've actually never been asked that. Oh, wow, man. You got lucky. (laughs) I think... On a ghost tour, people might have other things to think about, whereas in an antique store with just the poor register biscuit before them, (laughs) they let their minds wander. That does make sense, yeah. Yeah, I've had conversations with a lot of people that electricity didn't used to exist. (laughs) And that sometimes a lantern is just a lantern, you know? (laughs) You needed light. Yeah. Not necessarily to advertise risque business. Yeah. (laughs) Sometimes you just gotta see, bro. (laughs) Do you have tips on how to specifically acquire a haunted item if one was so inclined? Be very careful. Yes. (laughs) First and foremost. Step one, reconsider. So we actually at Seaside work pretty often with the expert with haunted collecting and haunted uh, antiques, John Zappas. He used to have the show The Haunted Collector. Okay, I was about to ask, I was like, wait a minute, was that? Yes, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, he's a friend of Seaside's and uh, works, we we put on events with him. He would definitely tell you, be very, very careful. To go out and seek haunted antiques is, uh, it's an interesting motive. But if you are in that line, definitely partner with someone who is in the paranormal business because you definitely don't want to bring something bad into your home. It's very easy for haunted antiques to become very accessible portals and gateways. And I like dealing with spirits. I don't like dealing with that sort of stuff. The hinky stuff? <laughs> yes, the the demonology stuff. Uh, yeah, kind of the, the Annabelle the doll corner of paranormal. Exactly, yes. Because Annabelle wasn't always evil. It was, it was a possessed doll by a child spirit, but then something was able to piggyback onto that and really take over. And now she's loose, last I heard. Is she? No, she's still in the box. She is still at uh, Warren's old estate. Unfortunately, you can't go and see it right now. It's it's not accessible. But she is still there, last I knew. Oh, okay. Yeah, I believe one of the Warren's children occasionally takes her on, like, tour. Oh. With some other items from the estate. I believe that's correct, yeah. I wouldn't want to travel with her specifically, necessarily. I would not like to, given her history with vehicles. Yeah. Neither would I. <laughs> Just given her history. Stay away. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't want to touch her. Yeah, I would uh, leave her in the box. Thank you. My house is uh, from the the 1800s, so I I also know the glory of an old building. (laughs) (laughs) Now, is that haunted or? Yeah. Yes, my house is haunted. Do tell. I very frequently see, standing at the end of my hallway, a small child spirit. Looks like a small girl. Okay, well, that's... I I find it hard to get freaked by the small kids. At that point, I would move. Nah. Yeah, she, she doesn't do anything to harm anybody. It's just sometimes you'll be coming up the stairs and you'll be... You'll look over and you'll be like, Oh, okay. And then she'll, she's gone. It's definitely startling, but yeah, I don't know. I feel like a kid spirit wouldn't... I think it would make me sad <laughs> more than frighten me. Yeah, she never does anything like other than just kind of stand there so she's welcome here no harm (laughs) okay so she's she's more of like a pleasant roommate yeah i mean she is really the perfect housemate (laughs) 
Does she chip in for rent, though? No. I mean, she gives him stories to tell, so that's kind of like helping. There you go. She's helping him with yes, his work. Yes, I mean, I, that is my living, so. <laughs> Have you been able to do any history into who she might be? No, I haven't really been able to find too, too much on, on my own personal house. I know it was built in the 1800s, but as to who she might be, nothing that I could find so far. How mysterious. Mm. Yes. With a house this old, people come and go. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. It's not always as straightforward as our old house. <laughs> <laughs> we had, uh, I, I found census records of a man who was committed for walling dead cats up in the basement. Oh, yeah, that'll haunt it. Yeah, it was pretty oh, bad. Yeah, that's a special <laughs> level of crazy. <laughs> Yeah, and remarkable that all of that uh, documentation was just ready for me when I asked for, you know, blueprints and sales histories. Yeah. It turns out being a bad neighbor makes really good documentation on your <laughs> on your premises. I bet. So if you want to be remembered, <laughs> be annoying. Bad neighbors make good history. Yes. <laughs> bad neighbors do make good history. <laughs> Is there anything else you wanted to get out there before we let you go? I just thank you guys for having me on this has been a very good discussion it's uh, been a lot of fun yeah. yeah if you guys have paranormal questions in the future feel free to hit me up absolutely uh what space can we watch for your upcoming book would that be at seaside shadows yes we will be posting things about it uh, closer to its release date we're thinking it's probably gonna end up coming out sometime maybe fall or winter Ooh, spooky season yes just in time and be sure to check us out on SeasideShadows.com. Definitely follow our YouTube channel. Getting back to doing videos, but we did have to slow down when our busy season kicked up. But yeah. But yeah, that's awesome. Uh, I'm definitely interested in getting a copy when that's ready to go. Awesome. Yeah. And uh, I'll definitely have to autograph that for you somehow. <gasps> yes! <laughs> yeah, I mean, I also definitely have to go on some of these tours because they sound awesome. Yes. Be yeah, sure to go check us out. I absolutely love what I do. The fact that I can take two hours and tell people this history and these tales is just fills my soul. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you so much for coming on and talking to us. I had a great time. Yes, thank you so much for having me, guys. If you would like to suggest episode topics or just say hello, you can email us directly, antiquesfreakspodcast at gmail.com. You can post in our Facebook group, Antiques Freaks Friends, or you can tag us on Tumblr, antiquesfreaks.tumblr.com. If you would like to listen to deleted scenes or listen to our special bonus episode presentation of the Victorian Penny Dreadful Varian the Vampire, you can hit up our Patreon at patreon.com slash antiquesfreaks. Special shout out to our patrons for paying our hosting fees and filling our hearts with love. And thank you in particular for listening. Au revoir!